Hello and welcome to Pop of Passion. Join me, Jack Sparker, comedian and highly sensitive person, along with a guest every other week as we delve into our deepest passions. From being a plant dad to conquering insecurity with comedy. If you relish the memory of an unexpected late night conversation with a stranger about their obscure passion, the kind where you have tears in your eyes one second and are doubled over laughing the next, this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Pop of Passion. I would like to welcome my guest today, who has rang an alarm clock in an orchestra. He is known as the Beatles expert, Professor Moptop, on Chicago's WXRT-FM 93.1. That's 93.1, folks. He has written the first textbook in what he hopes will be a compilation of Beatles history. He has been featured with host Terry Hemerit on the station Breakfast with the Beatles Sunday morning since the early 2000s. Please welcome to Pop of Passion, Gregory Alexander. This is where the studio audience comes in. I'm clapping on the inside. Clapping on the inside. I like that. Huh? Welcome. Welcome. It's so nice to be the inaugural guest. Well, it couldn't have been anyone else because I feel like this has been in the making for many years. From stacking bananas, having you building me up, to now I took the plunge and we're here. Also, Bruce Springsteen was busy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think he's in the bad books um, as of late is what I've heard. Bruce is? I think uh, he drove under the influence. Um, oh, I think he got out of that. I'm more curious about what kind of cop in New Jersey busts Springsteen. Yeah. Yeah. No, he has a podcast with Barack Obama yeah. now. Yeah. Well. I'm kind of curious to be on that. If they ask me, I'll go. Absolutely. Yeah. Barack, the boss, if you're listening, please uh, contact Gregory Alexander. <laughs> His contact information will be in the show notes. All right. So, Gregory, my question for you today is very simple. What is your passion? My passion is knowledge, and I know that sounds kind of corny, but I just love learning and discovering new things. And when I say new things, obviously it's not things that are brand new because most of the new things that I learn are things from 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. So uh, my passion is discovering new things, quote unquote, new. That's very interesting. So how did you come to discover that that was your passion uh someone asked me on a podcast okay no no i am um, <laughs> after a long long time of uh trying to figure out what i wanted to be when i grew up and i decided to get into radio initially one of the things that i really uh did well on was uh, what was called show prep now before the days of the internet you would get faxes, you would have piles of magazines, you would circle items, you would cut out things from the newspaper, and you would just have them in a big pile, and then when it was time for something to talk about, you would pick from the pile. Now it's very different, you just Google it. But we would pick from the pile and it would be, hey, let's talk about this woman who has a fear of pickles, or something along those lines. And um, from that I started trying to find more and more and more unusual and unique things. The things that other people just 
not necessarily didn't know, but very few people knew. And it's always fun then to find out some people also knew these strange, unusual facts. And it's, hey, we have something in common. We have a bond of whatever unusual passion it might be, whatever fact or strange statistic or bizarre thing that happened in history. Absolutely. And I've always been a tremendous music fan. And there's a lot of facts to know about a lot of different bands. Every single band has lineup changes and siblings and girlfriends and wives and stories and tales and heartaches and, you know, tragedies in their lives. And I just, uh, I really enjoy getting into a single topic and really, really focusing on it and learning as much as I can about it. Not everything, because I'll never know everything, even though that's my goal. Yep. Until then, I'm just going to pretend like I know everything. But I, uh, having a, um, having the internet at your fingertips is, you know, a blessing and a curse because now I could really, really delve and search into something and say, um, like a musical artist, like say Stevie Wonder. I spent a lot of time listening to his stuff again and again, reading, reading, reading. And not that I got bored with it or was over it. I took a break for a while and listened to other stuff and then, continuously and quite often revisit his music and all the while I'm listening reading this finding out about that what did he do in this date and this important uh, event in his life and so on and eventually you learn a tremendous amount about a single topic the downside of this is there's plenty of other topics that I don't know anything about because I'm spending so much time listening to a certain artist absolutely so when you um, have this search for knowledge and it's your passion, would you say it's a feeling or is it a emotion? How do you like process that? How does it fill you? Um, that's an interesting question because although it does bring joy and a little bit of, you know, money, it also brings frustration and self-doubt. Um, I've written two books on the Beatles. It's textbook Beatles, volume one and two, and I've been working on volume three currently, and these take a long time to do. There's a lot of steps to it. I'm, I self-publish, so it's all me. People who help with you know the design of the book, the cover, and the editing, they don't come until later. So basically, there's nothing they can do now other than help and encourage me. But for right now, it's just a matter of trying to get through that creative process and I have to really really push myself really really hard because I'm uh it, it takes a while to get it done right and I have I get distracted easily I you know there's plenty of other things to do like listen to same Stevie Wonder album 50 times and totally. read about it again but there is ultimately a great joy in it there's a sense of satisfaction when you're when your product is finally done. I remember seeing the book and holding it for the first time and it was like, you know, wow, it was, you know, a little bit surprising, a little startling. And you thumb through it and you read something and you say, hey, I remember writing that. The uh, Personally, I would be much better by remembering a lot of these things or these positive things instead of dwelling on, the, oh man, it's been a week and I've barely written anything. And, you know, I keep writing this one part again and again and again and it's just not making sense to me and Instead of dwelling on the negatives, I should focus on the positives. I think that's great advice for every single human I've ever interacted with. Okay. All of them? Well, 
I don't consider narcissists humans. So <laughs> there's that. But I completely agree. And I, it's something I'm working on every day is take your wins. Because they don't come every day. They don't, yes. The, uh, there's certain events that I try to focus and remember on. Um, one time while speaking at a library, there was a guy, he was you know, very, very excited to meet Professor Moptop and he loved sharing stories with the, uh, with me about how oh, I saw the Beatles and Ed Sullivan and blah, blah, blah. And I was so heartbroken when the Beatles broke up and yeah. telling these great stories. And you could just see he had a really enthusiasm for the Beatles as well as all the things I had taught him because he knew quite a bit, but he had also learned a lot more from listening to the weekly, uh, uh, audio reports I would give on right. the Beatles. And uh, my editor, Laura, was there and she took a picture of me and this guy and he didn't really have technology and she printed out a picture and she mailed it to this guy after getting his address. And I think of that frequently when I'm like, yes. because that's a good positive moment. She reminds me to, uh, to think of joy, you know, to think of the gift that this guy, you know, received. Absolutely. Yeah. I wonder all the time, I think about passion a lot because I, spoiler alert folks, my passion is passion. And I think about the ways we forge connections through passion. And I think that so many friendships are based on shared passion. And I love picking up a new passion. Like I like to steal my friends' passions. In a nice way. Example. All my friends in high school were very into Harry Potter. I had never read Harry Potter um, because my mom tried reading it to me when I was in second grade. And she, um, you know, God love her, but she is not the best reader when the names are Hermione and Dudley and Dobby. And so she would go and turn Hermione into Brittany one night. And then the next night she would forget it was Brittany. And she would say Jenny. And I thought this story didn't make any sense. Can you imagine if she directed the film? Well, some people would say she might as well have. You know, some (laughs) of them. Shout out to Christopher Columbus. So... I was in high school and all my friends were obsessed with Harry Potter and I was like, you know what? I love reading and I have some free time. I have recently, um, you know, I'm, I got accepted to college in like December. So I was like, peaced out. And I started reading Harry Potter because my friends were so obsessed. And that summer, my friends and I went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter which had just opened in Florida. That was all of our graduation gifts from our parents. And that trip like solidified. There were um, six of us and it solidified those friendships. And those are lifelong friendships based on me stealing their passion. Borrowing. Sharing. Yeah. And now it's become absolutely singular to me in that... um, it's mine all the horrible jk rowling issues aside harry potter meant a lot to me and i believe in my heart that books and media come to you when you need them 
And I experienced my first heartbreak um, right as I was finishing the final book. And I, like romantic heartbreak, and I absolutely found comfort in Harry Potter, a story about a young boy who succeeded and was different, and it was so, like, it was just perfect timing, and there have been so many moments like that where something will come to you, and it's like the timing is just right. It is remarkable how events like that line up and there's no answer for it um in the introduction you had said about me ringing an alarm clock with an orchestra which was quite a thrill and uh earlier that day i'd went to a funeral for a very good friend and it was very bizarre and that's the same day i had a funeral in the morning and then in the evening i did this incredibly fun thing which you know gave me joy it's very very unusual how things balance out. I wish there was more control we had over it. Right. I think there's something to say for having faith in the ups and downs in the waves of life. Because even when you're in your darkest moment, you have to remember I've had great times. And then when you're in your greatest times, you have to remember like I have had horrible times and been really hurt. And it all is comes together and it's all part of the journey it's another thing that it's so much easier to say when you're thinking about it from the outside that you have to remind yourself about each other the other part during both situations definitely and i find the best way to do that is by reaching out to friends who will remind you because it's so hard to be your own best friend but if you have a couple good friends that one of them is gonna remind you and tell you what you need to hear at the right time and from there you can accept it because it's easier to accept advice from someone that isn't inside your own head which is I feel is unstable for me it must be sad to be surrounded by sycophants who just love you for no matter what you do who are insincere right I would so much rather have a you know you look like shit today, then Absolutely. you look wonderful, which nobody ever tells me I look wonderful. <laughs> Gregory, <laughs> I can't believe you're calling me out because you're obviously including me in the everyone. It's also the way I dress. There's a lot to be said about that, which is nothing to be said about the way I dress. Well, <laughs> it's interesting you bring up um, clothing I created my own concentration in college that was called Fashioning an Identity in the Culture of Clothing because at 19, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had this wonderful opportunity that my school offered a program where you could create your own major. And don't get me wrong, it wasn't like, yeah, write a paper and then you graduate. It was a lot of hard work, but... I found that every class I took about, you know, anthropology or the classics or Taoism, I would find something about clothing or fashioning an identity within the text. And that was a huge moment for me to be like, I'm making connections here, which is what I think the world runs on. Such as the individuality of, say, Indians and their paint and the flower, the not flowers, the feathers in their hair and stuff like that. Sure. All right. Like, 
one thing I, w- I was, um, I've always been interested in politics, um, being a little Irish Catholic girl growing up in Chicago, because I always... Well, what young kid doesn't love Reaganomics? Well, that plus all these Irish rebel songs that I grew up listening <laughs> okay. to that I didn't realize were rebel songs. I just thought they were songs. They kind of sound like college fight songs until you learn more about them. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you find out they're talking about turning the tyranny of the government over. Yes. It's not as fun, is it? No, it's not as fun. Could be fun. Well, it depends how you look at it. Because I found a lot of solace in my Irish identity at that time. And I basically turned into this anti-British lady, um, anti-imperialism, all of that. And it's really interesting because... Uh, you were Megan before Megan. Is that her name? I, yes. Yeah, okay. That, I, you know, I always say that I was Megan before Megan. I've heard that. Yeah. That's probably where you got that. Maybe. Well, Springsteen told me. Okay. <laughs> so He texts all the time. I can't imagine him having an iPhone. That's a good question. He might. I don't know. That's a very good something. I'm going to check into that. Please do. I'll get back to you on that. And you know I will. Yeah, absolutely. So I learned that um, Gandhi went to uh, school for to be a barrister, an attorney, a lawyer in England and wore suits. When he returned to his native India, um, he wore a loincloth famously um, as a means of political protest in order to make a comment on um, basically British imperial rule. And I was like, okay, things are coming together (laughs) because we're talking about clothes. And there's so many, um, you know, Shakespeare books where people will cross-dress in order to make their way through the forest safely, say a woman, Mm -hmm. as you like it. Um, uh, Great Expectations, uh, Miss Havisham, you know, she gets left at the altar and she never takes off her wedding dress and it turns yellow and she only wears one shoe. And I think that says a lot about, um, I know in moments of my life of deep depression, I have not showered for probably two weeks. Could happen. Yeah. And worn the same, like, clothes. And then I also find great power in choosing an outfit. But that's, like, my thing. But it is a human experience. Um, There's a scientific study done by Northwestern that was called Enclothed Cognition in which a uh, there was a study where Basically, they held up a um, lab jacket or it's just a white jacket and they told the um, people who were being studied, this is a doctor's coat. They told some and then they would tell them this is an artist's cloak or a painter's um, vest. It's the same piece of fabric, but the way people performed on standardized tests and other types of tests varied based on the clothing so there's science to the fact that how we dress affects our mood and how we perform i can understand that um i'm not i i'm always been a jeans and t-shirt guy never much more 
other than weddings and wakes when I wear, you know, an okay suit. But I feel most comfortable when I'm just wearing, a, you know, a rock t-shirt with jeans with holes in them, you know. Absolutely. Like a, my Ramones shirt. Yeah. And I know it's just a garment, but. No, it, there's something to a little it. Bit of, a little bit of comfort in it. It's like a good, it's like a nice blanket. Absolutely. And it's got the logo on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that you say you're a jeans and t-shirt guy because I was having a conversation um, with my cousin this morning. We were on a walk and I asked him, you know, what's your go-to outfit? Like, say you were on a fashion magazine on, and you get to dress yourself. What would you wear? And he like had an answer. And it was a jokey answer, but it was still an answer. And I've always said, um, whenever I ask myself questions when I'm bored, that I would absolutely wear a pair of like tailored jeans that I, I've never owned tailored jeans, but like that fit really nice. Mm-hmm. Like a little high-waisted black v-neck short-sleeved and some black pumps and a chanel jacket like a tweed a pop of color or maybe an off-white see i would probably go for my ramones shirt it yeah like everyone has that outfit that makes you feel a certain way and i think that that says a lot about us and just as our passions say a lot about us. There was a friend of a friend who was getting married and I have officiated weddings in the past and someone said, oh, he does that. And she said, hey, would you like to do that? And I kind of jokingly said, yeah, but I get to wear my Ramones shirt. And she said, okay, that'd be great. And I did. And when the wedding itself happened, it was only her and her now husband and uh, his parents. And that was all that was there. And I wore my Ramones shirt with a jacket and it looked very nice, and they had a wonderful time, and we had a wonderful day, and that's now a bond that we have as well, like you were saying before. Yeah. That's the that's that's very interesting about the, the power of a garment. Right. It seems trivial, and I know people think fashion is like a silly girl thing, which like don't even get me started, but <laughs> there's power to what we give power to. Like my Magic Cubs hat. Absolutely, yes. your Magic Cubs hat. That's why they won. Yeah. They could say hitting and making the right choices at the right time, but ultimately it was my Magic Cubs hat. Yes. Yeah. You know, I went to bed that night. I know you went to bed that night. Yeah. <laughs> and was it four days later Donald Trump got elected? It was that same week. I think it was a week or two after. It was after. less yeah. than a Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was in under seven days. Speaking of high peaks and low valleys. I imagine being yeah. a left wing Cleveland Indian fan. That must have been a terrible time because at least we had the Cubs one. You know, we still felt good. You know, we had yeah. a nice parade, you know, imagine having that. That was such a moment in history. And I'm not even a baseball. I'm not a sports girl. But that was a moment like I cried about it. I know I cry about everything, <laughs> but I was so emotional and I just love Chicago and it was so exciting and it was fun, positive, and very unique. I mean, yeah. there's been parades in the city, but there's never been a parade of that magnitude. I forget the specific statistic, but I think it was in the top 10 of the most widely uh, attended events in history. Wow. A couple of them being like Pope visits and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's those moments. I think Rod Stewart was on that list too, believe it or not. Well, I'm not surprised. I think he was. Yeah. With hair like that. 
<laughs> I remember um, that was such a weird time in history. And I found myself um, sinking into such a deep depression after the election that I, up until like two years in, I didn't watch any television that I had not already seen um and I love tv like that was definitely one of my passions growing up and I went I reverted into a place where I could not do anything but watch comfort shows so I mm -hmm. only watched Gilmore Girls Parks and Recreation The Office and Friends which doesn't sound like a terrible day anyway but no you, there is a bit of trying to avoid the news while also being responsible and aware. Absolutely. And it was really difficult to do over the last, it's been very difficult to do over the last four years, specifically difficult over the last year. Yes. Yes. Do you have any comfort um, TV shows? I know you have comfort music. I mostly stick to comfort music. I mm -hmm. love the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, very cool. One of my old uh, favorite shows was Homicide. And Andre Brower was that's the show that uh, all the SVUs and all the Law and Order oh, spun are, off of. Okay. And Richard Belzer is on it, and it's great. And it's a, yeah, I remember watching it at a time when I uh, didn't have a lot of money, so I wasn't going out a lot. And it was on late at night, and I was working early in the morning, so I would set the timer on the videotape. Yeah. And uh, when I'd come home the next day after work, I'd sit and watch Homicide on the VCR. Andre Brower is on that, and he's a really excellent, very dark actor. He plays a really good, serious character on that show. And he's also a cop on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and he's oh. hysterical. It's very unusual. And I, uh, for whatever reason, I never really got Andy Samberg. Yeah. Well, you, know, I, you know, I thought he was funny, but I have come to really, really appreciate him. And at night when I can't sleep... I watch that quite a bit and it's just fun. It's just, you know, yeah. they're never too serious for too long. They're all goofy. I like all the characters and it's comforting. Frasier is a similar show to that for me and it's on all the time. So that helps. Yeah, that's definitely helpful. I find the dichotomy between um, like a serious moment and then laughter to be my favorite emotion where I remember... Um, there was a cancer scare in my family for one of my cousins. And I went to my grandparents' house uh, randomly, but I don't think it was random. I think it was um, meant to be. And I remember I walked in the door. We had just gotten the news. And I went up to my grandma and we're both crying. And she has very um, dry hands. So she always has lotion and then she put these uh, cotton gloves on her hands and she hugged me and then um, we're crying, hugging and it's like a sad moment because we don't know what's going to happen. And then she cracks a joke about how her hands are gross and she is going to get lotion all over me. And it was like to laugh while you still have tears in your eyes and to be able to realize that life can do that so fast. There's a very good friend of mine uh, named Keith, who I also, um, whenever I need a laugh, he's the guy to call. And we chit-chat. And we have so many inside jokes, and no one else thinks we're funny other than him and I. We think we're hysterical. We think we're the best comedy team ever. And whenever I need a good laugh, I call and talk to Keith. Um, there was a friend of mine. He had uh, 
he had committed suicide a couple of years ago. Mm. And I felt very bad about this. And my friend Bruce, who had passed away, who killed himself, he also was very, very um, loved the, the, the joke that you're not supposed to say. He would love to make the joke with me and say the words that you're not supposed to say. And we always loved it. And a friend called and he said that um, I'm bad news and Bruce died and he had just been weird and we had talked and, you know, we'd said, you know, I didn't know about this and went back and forth. And he said, even the last time that he was here by the pool, he didn't seem like he was having much fun. And it was at that moment that I realized that his cousin had a pool, had a swimming pool. And I talked to Keith and told him all about this and said what I wanted to say to Don was, why you guys have a swimming pool? But yeah. I knew I couldn't. And I knew deep down that Bruce would really enjoy that. He would really laugh about that. Yes. Keith laughed about it. We had a good laugh over yes. it. And I made Keith promise that at my wake or funeral that he's going to instantly start talking shit about me at the funeral. So people will be laughing and having fun. My wake's going to be great. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's very Irish of you. It is it. Irish people love to get you know, a couple bottles of whiskey on the table, crack jokes, tell stories, and just have like a celebration. I kind of like that. And yeah, I think it's very um, Irish to find joy in the sorrow because you have no other choice. You know, like being oppressed for as many um, communities have for hundreds or thousands of years, it's it's a resilience and I think it's interesting that you bring up you know this like the high and the low because that's what it's like all about I remember when um we were together and I got news that um my great uncle had passed and I was very uh you know I couldn't do anything and you didn't say Maybe you did, but I don't remember you saying my condolences. You said, what did you love about him? I, I asked you to tell me something good yeah. about him who died. And I did. And now every time someone has passed or in my life or in a friend's life, I do the same thing. And it's like a life lesson that I've carried. And I have taught people this life lesson that you taught me. And you don't know these people. And now it's like, this chain of events, but that was because it's about, it was such a sad moment. And you said like, tell me a fun story. I appreciate your remembering that. Well, I think about it every time someone dies. <laughs> so thank you for that. You're very welcome. Um, the good times and the bad times. Another friend of mine, Patrick, who actually you once recorded a feel better, Patrick, things are great message. Oh. And I edited it together and, shipped it off to him. Him and I talk about tacos and Willie Nelson, that they're there for the good times and the bad times. And if you're, you know, having a great time, you can listen to Willie and eat tacos. Or if you're very sad and depressed, you can listen to Willie and eat tacos. Yes. Willie Nelson and tacos. If you take nothing else back, you can take that. I like that. I imagine Willie would too. I can't imagine there's much he wouldn't be supportive of that wasn't hurting another person or being. Like, he just seems ethereal. He's sort of like Dolly Parton. He, he there's seems There's only like, a few of them. Yeah, he seems like the real deal. That's what I'm the real deal. The people who, who aren't just acting like they're pleasant and wonderful and nice. I think he's the real deal. Yeah, I think that is the most, you know, um, like the highest value in 
my life is like people being genuine. It's got to be very difficult in the entertainment world too, because that's not really a way to win in the entertainment world. No, you're probably much better off, you know, not caring about the person that you're stepping on their back, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. But then you see people like Dolly and Willie Nelson who have succeeded. And I think it's possible, but it's almost like it's like godly, like it was ordained because we need those people to balance out the horrible people. It's remarkable how long careers are at this point. Yeah. Um, a lot of the rock and roll I listen to is, you know, 60s rock and roll. These guys were young men when they were writing it. And they figured when they were 30 or 40 at the latest, they would be old news. Well, you know, the Rolling Stones and the Who are still together and these guys are still performing stuff. It's very interesting to listen to their viewpoints from different points of their lives. Specifically when they thought, you know, we have a 10-year career and that's it. Yeah. And then some, and then, you know, it's interesting to think of what's going to happen in, say, you know, 50 years from now. Will Kid Cudi be, you know, will he still be relevant and will people be talking about how he's, you know given me so much joy over the, you know, over my life. It's hard to say. Yeah. I think those timeless performers are so untouchable. And obviously not everyone can be that because otherwise it wouldn't be special. Exactly. Yeah. So if you had to pick one, your one timeless artist, and you can say the Beatles, obviously, I'm just wondering, who would that be to you? It would be Bob Dylan. Okay. The um, As much as I love the Beatles and always have, when I first, when I was first really getting interested in music and noticing that, you know, things could be more than just fun, catchy songs and paying attention to lyrics, and this is me being, you know, eight, nine years old, I noticed Bob Dylan. I think, wow, he, you know, he's just not singing about, you know, baby, I love you. He's singing about, you know heartbreak and he's singing these you know unusual words and then i'd heard like a rolling stone and he had a brand new song called joker man which is sort of about the fall of jesus it's kind of hard to say it's very bob dylan yeah and this is when i was nine ten years old and it was just i didn't realize at the time obviously of just how remarkably influential it was for the rest of my life and everything i do he's been around at some point or another yeah it's really interesting to grow with an artist Especially someone like him who continues to evolve and change and he's done things that he's never done before, even yeah. in the last five, ten years. And yeah, it's something else going. I've seen him in concert, you know, countless times now. And it's amazing how it feels when you're there. Yeah, I am not a um, go to every concert kind of gal, even if I had the money because I have uh, generalized anxiety disorder. Thank you very much. But also crowds freak me out. It's just like the parking every, it just is a stressful, but I will see Lady Gaga every time she's in town and I've traveled to see her and I, it's because who she is. She brings that joy to you. Yeah. It's so like, there are moments that you can touch that she would because she was there. Sometimes I'll hear a song. Sometimes I'll hear an actual recording of a concert that I had been to. And you immediately remember something. There was um, uh, the Dead and Company. They had played Wrigley Field a few years back. Yeah. And they have a song called Tennessee Judd. 
And every time I hear the intro, the guitar intro, I remember specifically looking at my friend Rich and we just both had the biggest bright smile because, oh, wow, they're going to do Tennessee Jed now. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's, uh, you can't plan it. Nope. It just, it just happens. Yeah. Synchronicity. Yes. That's been happening a lot lately. Um, I feel like just things are adding up in a way that I'm noticing. They may have been adding up before I started noticing, but it doesn't count if you don't notice. That's very interesting. So I try to notice and I try to keep track of things. And when things come in certain numbers or I see a cardinal, (laughs) you know, there's certain things and like just recently, I don't know if it's pandemic fatigue or what, but things are happening and it's very cool and like life affirming. Well, I'm not as positive as I would like to be. I don't know if anyone really is. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I hope that after this pandemic finally goes away after it's the time. Oh, wow, do you remember when we used to have to wear masks? Wow. Remember that? Maybe we're at a, we were at a baseball game and everyone's sitting normal. Remember yeah. when we couldn't sit and we had to have rows in between us? That that'll be a new understanding and a new care for one another. Yeah. I don't necessarily believe myself when I say this because I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't really think it's going to happen, but I really, really want it to happen. I really hope that there's some sort of a silver lining benefit after all of this, this, after all of these sacrifices we've made, after all these things that we, you know, couldn't do that we used to be able to do, not to mention all the people, you know, have had much worse off than not being able to go to a concert or a jazz bar, right? you know, losing jobs and houses. That's obviously more important, but I certainly hope that at the end of all this, we as a people, as Americans, as humans get a little bit more compassion, compassionate as opposed to less compassionate, which feels like the trend. Well, I think that's a wonderful place to end this portion because that was beautiful and I don't think you meant to be so profound, but I'm going to be thinking about that. And when you, I first asked you to do the podcast, I assumed your passion would be kindness. And I think it's interesting how all our passions come together to form our, you can call it a soul or whatever you call it. But I think the way that you take your knowledge and spread kindness through knowledge is a great trait that is very Gregory. Oh, I appreciate that. It's Gregorian. Wonderful. Thank you. So I have um, a fun question. Is this the lightning round? This is lightning round. (laughs) Um, So what's your favorite pop? Iggy pop. Uh, that is a great answer. I meant like Chicago style, like a soda. Oh, um, <laughs> I like Pepsi, cold Pepsi in a can. I drink way too much Pepsi in a can. I love it. I know it's not good for you. No. I, it's so delicious. But that's why it is good. I know. That's why it is. Uh, I probably should have said Pop Staples too. I feel kind of bad for Pop oh. Staples. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, That's how my mind thinks. Yeah. It goes through rock and roll before getting anywhere else. Well, no. And that is the great part of, that's like a great part of you. And that's why you're interesting because these things come out of your mouth 
and you're brave enough to let them come out of your mouth whereas a lot of people have this like filter that isn't uh serving them it's not necessary all the time yeah i uh started drinking dr pepper like first thing in the morning um first because i found that it helped with a hangover and then i just really liked it so dr pepper in a bottle is my go-to plastic or glass plastic because those glass bottles with pepsi are also very good I've never had Dr. Pepper out of a glass bottle, but if anyone wants to send one to me, my information is in the show notes. (laughs) I don't know if they're as rare as you think. I've never seen one. Maybe you should look. You are a pepper. Do you know of that? The I'm a pepper, you're a pepper commercial? I feel like I, that is ringing a bell from like the VH1. I love the... That's the, I love the probably, probably 70s or 80s. Yes. And it's, there was a catchy jingle of a... Wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? I would love to be a pepper. You are a pepper, apparently. Guess so. So, um, in physics, the sixth derivative of position is known as pop. What did you want to be when you were six? I wanted to be a baseball player, which is really dumb when you think about it, when the type of athletic baseball playing kid I was at six years old. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's fine. If we were all good at baseball, it wouldn't be special and no one would be into baseball. It would be like... Or everyone would have their own team if we were all good at it. It'd be great. That It'd be like true. nine games a day. I can go for that. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to... Uh, when I was very, very young, I wanted to be an astronaut, but that quickly passed. I don't know why. That was like a... A blip on the radar? It was like a month that I was like all about space. And then it was like... Eh. That reminds me of my favorite quote from Mad Men, which I'm going to butcher. Um, it's about the... Is it the one about him getting high and listening to Miles Davis? No. Oh, okay. That was just a guess. Um, it's about um, they're eulogizing a uh, team member, this woman, and they say she was born in 18 blah, blah, blah on a dirt road in a, on a farm, and she died on the 37th floor of a skyscraper. I'm going to cry. She was an astronaut. Like, what were they writing? Like, it is so, that is so cool that someone wrote that and I butchered it. But you guys can look it up. You probably got the sentiment, right? I wonder when they write these shows, how long they spend writing specific things like that. And is it just come to them, bam, that's it. Hey, let's write that down. Yeah, that's really good. Or do they labor over it and they change words and it says, no, maybe not the 37th floor or the 40th floor. No, yeah. Well, you're a writer. I, you know, dabble in the comedy world and I find that my favorite joke from my um, second, like, tight five was um, from a class and the teacher told us don't do online dating jokes because everyone's doing them and so uh, naturally I wrote an online dating joke and said um if you uh I was in a relationship at the time and I said I don't have a tinder bio but I spend a lot of time thinking about my tinder bio for someone who's in a long-term relationship I've decided mine would be some people may say I'm plus size but I'm just unwilling to downsize (laughs) pause for laughter that may also just be my Real Housewives tagline. <laughs> would work for both, wouldn't it? And that was my teacher's favorite joke. All right. 
And I was kind of like, you told us we couldn't yeah, do dating got, jokes. Gotcha. <laughs> and I think, it, but it wasn't like a spiteful thing. It was literally just, it came to me and I didn't labor over it. And then I love outside validation, um, you know, and it fed me. You know what quickly came to me was the Professor Mop Top moniker. I was a long-haired man for most of my, you know, adult life. Yeah. And uh, it was one of the years that I was uh, working uh, at XRT on an annual uh, Rampant Beatlemania Sunday day. And Terry Hemmert, who was the host, said, hey, we should have you, you know, blah, blah, do this. And we said, hey, why don't I make it like a uh, college college class and I'll teach, you know, second level, you know, really deep beat uh, Beatles stuff. Yeah, that's a great idea. Hey, what can we call you? And I said, just like that. How about Professor Mop Top? And it just stuck that instantly. Yep. We didn't have a list of, you no. know. The other one was going to be Dr. Hare, but that didn't fly. Uh, I think things, some things are come up, they come up in labs and we have these tweets that are written by 12 comedy writers and they, and then, but then some kid in Iowa says something and it like lights the nation on fire. I think sometimes it's lightning in a bottle and sometimes things are formulaic, but I appreciate the lightning in a bottle method. It seems like the instant spontaneity is the, is the, the better choice. It seems like that gives better results. Yeah, I think so. Um, so my last question, it's not like as fun. Um, pop is an informal term for a father or occasionally a grandfather. What's the best lesson you've ever learned from one of your parents? Oh, um, probably the value of hard work and being responsible with your job. I like that. Interesting that uh, grandfather in Greek is Papu. Oh. So my grandfather was Papu Greg, my namesake. Aww. But then my, uh, that was my father's father, and he was a milkman, very hard worker. Yeah. He was the last of the milkmen that would come yeah. day to day and put milk and cheese and eggs at your door. Um, my grandfather on my mother's side was always Pooley because my sister, when she was first learning to talk, wasn't quite able to say Papu and would say Pooley and it just stuck. Yeah. Also a very hard worker. And um, my father as well, so, who's just dead. Although my sister and I call him Mike. We always have. That's so funny. My cousin Angie used to say, hey, Nick and Joe, to her parents. And as young kids, we thought it was so funny. She's calling her parents by their first name. That's... I wonder what Mike thinks of that, huh? And we always have. Classic comedy. Classic comedy. Yeah. So I will give you one more um, to end on a fun note. There is a railway station in York, England called Poppleton Railway Station, otherwise known as POP. If you could take a train ride anywhere in the universe or your imagination that was a one-hour train ride, where would you go? Oh, a one-hour train ride. Hmm. What I would like to do, although this doesn't really answer the question, is get on a train and go from one end of the country to the other and then back and then back again. That would probably take longer than an hour. You know what? It's it's your choose your own adventure. <laughs> um, I would like to take a lengthy car ride, a uh, lengthy train ride all around the United States. I'm sure I could learn plenty of other things in other countries and other continents as well. Yeah. But uh, there's so much of America that I haven't seen. I would love to spend a lengthy amount of time in a train 
get off, spend a day, wait for the next train. Well, we're going to get Mayor Pete right on that. Maybe he could uh, bring back like hobos who would travel with their, you know, the stick and, yes. all, and all their clothings in a, in, a, in a bag. Bringing it back to Mad Men. I could do that and then uh, ride the rails. Absolutely. So this is the point of the show where I am going to ask you for a passion that you want to share with the audience um, that doesn't totally have to benefit um, you but will benefit the world in some way. Whenever I do my, I often do classes on the Beatles and, you know, I always talk about how it's so nice to have an escape from all the bad and heavy, horrible things that happen in the world. And the Beatles seem to really be a great source of escape and a lot of positivity is brought through them for a lot of people for a lot of years. Now there's people that are several generations and there's, you know, people that are talking to their great grandkids talking about, and then I saw the Beatles and things like that. When I, uh... Talk about these classes. A lot of people want to be able to take some of this home. And obviously I can't go to everyone's house and do it. And when they see my books, they have a, you know, they, they, they light up like, oh, wow, I could spend more time on this. Because also if I'm talking about, you know, say I'm talking about a song that they covered in this year, I'll play a different version of it and a original version of it. And this was in this 1957 happened this. And then and sometimes I go kind of fast. It's hard to retain all these facts about the Marvelettes or this Motown song or Smokey yeah. Robinson or whoever it is. And when they see, oh, wow, there's a book that you can buy, they seem to get really excited because then they could go home on their own time. They could read through it and they could say, oh, hold me tight. I never read, you know, knew much about that. I'll read on that. Hey, now I'll play that song. And yeah, that, that's really, that's a positive charge. That really, that makes me feel good that, uh, that something that I created, people are able to take home. When I, um, was doing the weekly show. It would, uh, every week I would be doing a different song. And there was a good friend of mine who was a drummer who played in churches on Sunday mornings. And a couple of times he was late because he was sitting in the car waiting to hear me, which was a really nice compliment. Yep. Yep. There's something about making someone else feel something. You had talked before about connections and a lot, a lot of people have a connection surrounding the Beatles and there's also people you know Rolling Stones fans and Deadheads are a really big example of yeah. that but Little the, Monsters Barbs yep there's all kinds of things there's uh the Kiss Army there's and I'm yeah. just talking about music there could be people who bond over a movie they see this and say you know oh Star Wars is a great example or Star Trek or yeah. any of the other star movies there's probably other star movies Spaceballs maybe Oh, that's, you know, that's another thing. Yeah. Mel Brooks movies. Yeah. People will bond over that. And having these things to escape to is really important. That's another, that's a good charge. That's a good feeling to, to be able to relax. We don't relax as a society. No, that Protestant work ethic really has gotten (laughs) the best of us. Um, I wasn't planning on sharing this little tip, but I... When people say kind things via text or Instagram DM, whatever it is, and I have a chance to have it in writing, I screenshot it and I put it in an album saved on my drive called The Good Shit. Okay. I almost said, am I allowed to swear on this? Uh, It's my podcast. Um, (laughs) I was going to ask that before. 
And I think I accidentally swore before, but I'm not it's sure. It's all good. That's okay. Um, as, but, long as, as long as this isn't like the time when I was talking to a bunch of kids, that's a story oh, for another day. But I think we need to hold on to those moments because I literally have had dark moments and I've looked back at that file. And there are texts from you. There are texts from people that didn't know they were making my day. And it helps. So I'm just saying not... I'm not saying everyone should do that. I'm saying find what that is for you and do that. It's nice to know that doing something minimal, and let's face it, sending a text message is very easy. Yeah. Can make a you know, difference in a day. There's, you know, a few friends of mine that every day, even if we don't, you know, have detailed conversations, every single day we'll send a text with some sort of a contact. Yeah. And they're always, you know, positive. They're uh I don't know, pictures of the Blues Brothers. There's jokes about cats, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. One of my friends um, said her love language is meme sharing. <laughs> and I don't, she's like, you don't need to use words. Just send me memes and we're good. That'd be fun to communicate with only memes. Yeah. It'd be hard to have an argument. Well, that, we're trying to stay away from arguments. That's true. That's Even true. though maybe, you can grow from them. Maybe that's how we could avoid arguments completely is everyone in the world could just You're communicate only... by memes. Yeah. Well, I want to take a moment to share my um, little, you know, I haven't named this segment because it didn't just come to me, but the thing that I want to put out um, and share with everyone is... Um, my best friend Corinne is on the board of a charity called DKMS. Um, it's an international nonprofit organization, and it's dedicated to the fight against blood cancer and blood disorders. Um, all you do is you go to the website dkms.org to check your eligibility and request a simple swab kit, and it's free. And there's potential that you could be a bone marrow donor for someone. And I think her work is so inspirational. And I just wanted to kind of like shout her out because she's been so helpful in every aspect of my life as all friends are. But um, I think this is a great, you know, organization. And I am definitely too scared to ever donate bone marrow because I have a really low pain tolerance. My chiropractor told me I will definitely have to get an epidural when I, if I give birth, that really freaked me out because if she gives me a massage, I freak out. So I'm just saying I can't do this and I know my limits and I think that's okay because if I did the cheek swab and I was a potential match and then I backed out, that would be worse. But if you are out there and you think like you would be able to give bone marrow and like save a life and put yourself before someone else, which is something I can't do in terms of my pain tolerance, I think you should do it. So, dkms.org. Gregory, Jacqueline. this was wonderful. Thank you. You have made my day, my week, and so many memories. So, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate all the kind words as always. And uh, where can people follow your work? Um, if you go to professormoptop.com, it's a good way to start. You can... Uh, uh, see a little bit about my history and check out the personal website. Most of the stuff I do uh, stays on Facebook these days. I, uh, as hard as I try, just don't do Twitter as much as I can. Yeah. And uh, Facebook is definitely the best way to communicate, find out which uh, libraries I'll hopefully be doing in person uh, 
classes, hopefully by the end of the summer. As of now, there's a few uh, um, virtual classes via Zoom that I've been doing, and those are fun as well. There's a, there's a, something different about them, yeah. but they're still fun. It is nice to get together and escape and, and enjoy something, you know, silly like the White Album, you know, something that people bond over. So, yeah. so go to Professor Moptop on Facebook. That's your best bet. Well, Gregory, thank you for being here. And I want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, you can follow the show at Pop of Passion on Twitter and Instagram and at Pop of Passion on Facebook. And go out and be the light.